You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome back to Girls Next Level, everybody. We are back from New York and we're going to Chicago. Straight to Chicago. Yeah. Bridget, I wanted to ask you before you rewatch this episode, what were your memories of this leg of the trip? Uh, fond. Like, I remember feeling very, um, nostalgic for Hef and feeling, like, excited to share this part of his life with them and, like, experience it and see everything. Yeah, I had good memories from this trip, too. Like, I still have a few things to say about this episode, but the trip was good. Like, I remember New York being the stressful part. And even though we did have some press to do in Chicago, it felt like a sigh of relief. Yeah. And it just felt like I'd never been to Chicago before. I'd always wanted to go and like see all of Hef's childhood stuff. So that was really exciting. And it just seemed like very mellow and almost like relaxing. And I remember Hef was in a good mood. So there wasn't mm-hmm. really any drama on the actual trip. Yeah, I was I was looking forward to it. And and like you say, I felt like all the, the drama was over, like all the stuff that was scary, like the press that we had to do in Chicago was easy peasy. It just mm-hmm. felt like it was old home week kind of thing. Yeah, totally. So this episode originally aired on November 20th, 2005, which is a crazy fast turnaround because we went to Chicago in October. Yeah. So they had to edit this, put it all together in just a month. And then I was looking up like what the top movie and the top song was at that time, just to like bring people back. And the top song was a song called Run It by Chris Brown. And I could not tell you what that song sounds like. No, me neither. I have no idea. When I hear stuff from the early 2000s I'm just like Ugh. it's weird how it takes you back like I hear songs like that we used to listen to in the club or at the in the limo or in the bedroom or whatever and it just takes you right back I it's know so crazy like I'll hear a song and I'll just like remember very specific moments in like a club you know like or like the one that was always in the limo was Kylie Minogue can't get you out of my head do you remember that song yes yes oh my god <laughs> Or Snoop Dogg, favorite girl. Yeah. The top movie was Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's my favorite of the Harry Potter movies. It has so many visual things I love, like the Yule Ball I love. I always wanted to throw a Yule Ball party. Yeah. And I love the prefect's bathroom. Like if I ever build a house from scratch, I'm doing a prefect's bathroom for sure. (laughs) So this was my first trip to Chicago. Was it yours? No, I'd been to Chicago before because this is where they do the Halloween convention. Uh Uh-huh. The big one is by Trans World. I mean, when I say Halloween convention, I know we see it a little bit later in one of the episodes, but I don't even think it does it just justice this took up the entire chicago convention center and uh it was swimwear and party stuff and then big haunt things halloween swimwear oh wait i'm sorry i did swimwear (laughs) i meant halloween costumes (laughs) i was like damn there's a whole niche i don't know i wish there was halloween swimwear started and then there was like a room of like the actual just like um props like regular props that you would find at like spirit store or that kind of thing it was it was like my Disneyland like it was so so amazing and I was going there from before even going to the mansion so I had been to Chicago before and I love Chicago 
and we get to see that convention a little bit on season four, right? Yeah, and I, mom. I, rem- I don't remember what season it is. I think it was four. I'm but pretty yeah, sure it was four. It does come up. You know what I think is funny? So we, we land in Chicago, and you say in commentary, we're in Chicago to continue pr- promoting for Playboy. And I think it's funny that you're in jeans. Holly's, or, or I'm messing up today. You're in jeans. Kendra's in a juicy tracksuit. And I'm still in my clown pajamas with the white fur coat over the Clown top. pajamas. I wanted to ask you, too, because I could only find the second day of our itinerary in my scrapbooks oh what did I we brought do? the whole itinerary so we landed yes and then how early did we have to be up the next day all I have is a picture of myself dressed and ready to go with a cup of espresso in my hand but I have no idea like what time it was so um, we landed at in o- at O'Hare at 2 a.m. 2.30 a.m. was arrival at Peninsula Hotel. 10.30 a.m., um, Kendra and I need to be in hair and makeup. So we landed at like, got to the hotel around like 2.30, and then by like 10.30 had to be in hair and makeup, right? Yes. So if you were really on top of it, you could have got a full night's sleep. But who's going to fall asleep that you, fast? Who, Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's clear we can't just go to sleep that fast because the cameras want us to show the room off. Mm-hmm. And we want to show the room off because that's the next thing in my notes. That room was incredible. So we're still like running on empty sleep-wise. Oh, yeah. The whole trip we are. We don't sleep till we get home. <laughs> yeah. But we when we land in Chicago, we get in the limo and have says, hello, Chicago. And they show all this B-roll, the sights and sounds of Chicago. And they're playing jazz music throughout this episode, which I think is really cute mm-hmm. and kind of like kind of pulls you into that whole Chicago feel. It cuts to me saying that Chicago was like cleaner than I expected. And I think it makes it sound kind of snobby. But what I meant is I'd never been to Chicago and I expected it to be like a smaller New York and New York's a lot rougher. Yeah. Like Chicago, I'm really like I meant it as a compliment. Like I'm shocked at how clean they keep everything. Yeah, no, it looks, it's a beautiful city. At least city. in that, like, downtown area. Right. And, I mean, we're also comparing it to L.A., and downtown L.A. is, oh, like, God. so gross. You guys, so. L.A. is the weirdest city as far as having pockets of, like, nice and then really not nice all over the city, especially now because they are offering no resources for, like, the unhoused or the mentally ill. So we're living in Mad Max over here. For sure. If the, it does feel like that. It totally really feels does. like Mad Max it's around insane. here. It's insane. Next, it shows us walking into the hotel. And um, we stayed at the Peninsula Hotel. And our suite was really, really amazing. I know that when even just when we walked into the hotel, I know Kendra and I were both like, whoa. Well, it's a really beautiful lobby. And they mm-hmm. the way that like, the bellmen are dressed and stuff, it reminds me of like the Titanic. Yeah, it's just, it was like an incredible feeling. Like It's by far my favorite hotel I've stayed in in Chicago. And when I was thinking about that, it made me think about how we went back to Chicago when we were searching, without Hef, when we were searching for the 55th anniversary Playmate, and they were not putting us in as nice a hotel when it was just us and not half. They definitely were. Like, I forget where we even stayed, but it was somewhere just ordinary. And our suite, you guys, I just don't even, uh, when I was watching it, I'm like, these videos don't even capture how huge and incredible this was. Like, this was like a mansion in the sky kind of thing. It was so amazing. Yeah. So then it shows Kendra and I running around and Kendra's jumping on the bed. 
did you notice something? <laughs> yes. Okay. My next note, I know and what you're going to say. Yeah, first it. of all, I didn't notice this until the last time I watched this in prep for this episode. And I've seen this episode, like, since it's been out a handful of times. Like, we would watch a rough cut at the mansion. We'd screen it at the mansion for friends and family. I rewatched it for my YouTube Girl, it's, this is it, the first and, thing I noticed. And then, wait, you, did you notice back then or now? Well, if we're talking about the same thing, Hef has no pants on. Yes! And I am shocked Me they too. allowed that. I, Me I too. know no one else noticed it because if Hef noticed it, he would have been like, hey, can you cut that out? Do if you Kevin, think? 100%. Because I, well, I mean, I think so too. But then on one, one hand, and then on, I don't know. There's part of me that's like, no, he was like, oh, let's leave that in because it implies. Well, I think he just would never have wanted to be seen naked. I don't think so either. That's why I think he would have taken it out. But then the the implication is why I think he left it in. I think maybe it went over because it went over my head for so long. I only just now noticed it. Like I, like I said, I've watched it five times in my life at least. And this is the first time I've noticed it. I think probably Hef and Kevin did not notice it because Kevin wouldn't want to do Hef dirty. But if any of the editors leading up noticed it, they probably would have thought, oh, this is fun to include. This is like trashy scandalous you know like because we've never seen hef in this way yeah. as far as like an audience not we yeah. not as in you and i but like the audience has never seen hef in this way like in, a, in undressed like this he's they've seen him in his pajamas mm-hmm. but you guys he's literally wearing a dress shirt his underwear black socks <laughs> And did you notice his briefcase is sitting right there? Because he I can't did. be away from that briefcase. I didn't notice the briefcase because I was so weirded out that they left the no pants footage in there. Yeah. I think it just went under the radar because there's so much, like all of us are like walking back and forth in yeah. front of him and there's just so much going on. And yeah, we're definitely trying to get settled in and the camera crew is trying to capture how amazing the suite is and like the interactions going on. But really, we're just trying to like get organized and go to bed because we know we have to get up relatively early from the time we're landing. And I just keep talking about how amazing the hotel is. And then uh, Kendra and I kiss Hef goodnight and he gives us a big hug and says, welcome to my hometown. And I thought that was really sentimental and sweet. And yeah, he was in a very rare good mood on this trip. And I think this was and I say this later like in commentary or in the episode I forget which but this was one of those things where I told him like oh we should go back to Chicago and look at all the old places you're always talking about and of course he never wanted to do it until the show came up with the idea but it was one of those things where he would always be like nah I don't want to do that but once he gets there he's so into it yeah, he was really into it. And I say during that little group hug, yeah, we like it better already. Because he says, welcome to my hometown. And I say, yeah, we like it better already. And I I don't know what I meant by that. Did I mean in comparison to New York that we like Chicago better? Maybe, or maybe even, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was in, in comparison to New York. But I really like New York. So I think that what I was referring to was probably just the stress and the mm-hmm. drama of the New York trip. Like For it just sure. felt like we were... Like, this was a relief. Like, we were here to, like, for sentimental reasons. Uh, yeah, there was going to be some press, but we're here to see where Hef grew up and where he started the magazine and all that kind of stuff. This isn't this isn't about, like, high-pressure stuff. I comment on how big the bathtub is. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, I'm still marveling about this amazing suite. And, I mean, this bathtub was massive, like, truly massive. And they don't really show it. Like, you kind of see, like, into a dark bathroom, but you don't really see it. And I say, I make a comment. I say, all four of us can fit in that bathtub. And then I feel like he didn't hear me. So uh-huh. I say it again. And they, they play it so that I say it twice. But I'm totally joking. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not insinuating that all four of us should jump in the tub right now in any way. But, um... Kendrick gives like this really nervous laugh. Oh no. And I never noticed it before. Like I I felt like I feel like she was like, huh, okay, that's enough, Bridget. Like we yeah. heard you the first time. Like, let's not give him any ideas. Because I think she actually thought that if I kept saying it, he might try and take us up on it. Yeah, it's like a redo of the Mile High Club convo. Like, you're totally joking. I'm looking for volunteers. And Kendra's like, what's the Mile High Club? (laughs) Yeah, like, let's not go there. Like, she's, I feel like she's really scared. And I feel like I'm just joking about it. I mean, if I thought for one second that it would be that we would get taken up on that offer. I would not be joking around about it. But I really felt very confident that that was not going to happen. So. Yeah. And Hef says, okay, that's a deal. And I know he's joking back, you know? Yeah. But then they show the door shutting. Oh, God. Closed, the hotel room door, and then the do not disturb sign is on. I hate them. So definitely <laughs> implying. But just so you guys know, we all went to bed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody thought we got in the bathtub, but you're right. I think they want it to look like that. Yeah, they're trying to imply it. So then the next scene, Chicago skyline, jazzy music. You're wearing your moon boots. Yeah, you guys will not be surprised. You listeners will not be surprised. But there's so much continuity error. Like we're switching back and forth between outfits. And I loved my moon boots that I was wearing. I still have moon boots. I have a black pair. But I'm shocked that Hef tolerated the moon boots. Because they're just so like silly and not sexy. I'm surprised that wasn't something where he was like, what are you wearing? Yeah, but those big clunky boots were kind of the style back then. And even out in the club, remember those big, thick, white, chunky, furry things we used to wear to the club sometimes? Like, I feel like they were kind of in that same category. I just feel like it was sort of the style. So he just thought, "Uh, all the girls are doing it. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm being like the playboy narrator in this scene. Yes. I felt like you were very narrative in this whole episode, really. Because this episode, like we talk about other episodes we've gone through in this season as, oh, episode two was supposed to be your episode. Episode one was my episode. Episode three was Kendra's, blah, blah, blah. But this is definitely Hef's episode. Yes. But he's not sitting in a confessional, so I have to like be the one to do it. And it shows when it shows all those clips when I'm talking about, you know, all the old Playboy stuff, they show like bunnies at the club. I wish we could find like an old school Playboy bunny from back in the day who used to live at the Chicago mansion because there was a floor I think it was like the top floor where like bunnies from the club lived and they called it the bunny hutch. Like I wish we could find somebody like that to interview for our Patreon. Somebody, yeah. Because I don't, even from when we were at the mansion, I don't think I know anyone or ever met anyone who was a bunny in Chicago in like the 60s or 70s. And I feel like that would be so interesting because I've never even heard stories from anybody who partied at the original mansion. Yeah. Like, obviously, Hef was there. Obviously, his brother was there. Mm -hmm. And they would talk about it in a certain way. But I'd love to see, hear from a person who has, like, another, like, fly-on-the-wall perspective of it. Yeah, Barbie talked about it a little bit, too. But what they don't show is we actually went to do more press first. We did that um, signing at the Chicago Virgin Megastore. And then Extra is there and the Chicago Sun-Times. And we interview with both of them. And then they follow us on this, like, tour. I think they get in the bus with 
with us, actually, and come with us. Yeah, you can see, like, on some scenes where we're walking, there's, like, a roving reporter with his little pen and notepad, like, trailing along behind us. I'm glad we got to bring Keith on this trip. I think that was really special for Me him. Me, too. And for Hef and for us. Yeah, I think so, too. After we get done doing the press and we go on this, we start going on this tour, it shows us going by Hef's old house and where he went to school. How perfect was it that they had a welcome back sign on the school? I know. Because Hef and Keith got to pose underneath it. It was probably just like a back to school thing that it they was. never took down months well, later. But We say that in commentary that it was so cool that they had that there, but then at the same time, it wasn't for them. But it was I just know. like... A- it was a perfect photo op though. Yeah. In that scene, I'm wearing this juicy Argyle sweater that I love. And Juicy used to make so much cute stuff besides tracksuits. I want to do a collab with Juicy where they bring back stuff from back then. Oh. Like stuff I love that I wore on the show. Like that pink ruffle dress from the dog birthday party and that sweater. And there's like a couple bikinis. They like they did so much cute shit. Right. I have some cute dresses, but definitely love the tracksuits. The juicy bags. Like especially the dog bag. Like I just loved it so much. And then there's a teacher outside talking to Hef and he's saying, Oh, there was somebody from your third grade class was just here and I don't know why I'm always so surprised to be like they're still alive because Hef's still alive so I don't know why I'm so surprised that everybody else would be but I'm like damn I mean they're probably not still alive now but have you ever gone back to your old schools fuck no (laughs) I haven't either well I feel like since I graduated I like I know there have been some reunions because I would see pictures people post pictures of them on social but I feel like these days just reunions aren't happening because everybody can find everybody on Facebook that's true too but I mean third grade would you go back to your third grade girl we did on season four of girls next door oh we did (laughs) yeah Craig Alaska (laughs) so you would I would go I guess I would go back to my elementary school and check it out I just don't feel like it would feel the same or anything well, that's the fun part about it is you walk in and you're like holy shit this is a miniature because you remember it being big because you were little yeah and you're like oh my god and then we're walking toward hef's house yes the school was like walking distance to his house and then we pass by this alleyway that he says used to be a dirt road and him and his brother are talking about how they used to have carts that would go down it that would collect junk and they'd say rags and old iron rags and old iron and i can't think of anything that sounds more ancient than that (laughs) i know this was the 1930s but it sounds so dickensian I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what are they even talking about? Yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) And you can just tell that Hef is so touched that he's going back to his old house. Yeah. So it's crazy to me that at the time we went to go visit the house, it was still owned by the first person who owned it after Hef's mom. That is so weird. That's a trip to me. I know. And obviously, I mean, you can tell by looking at it when we're walking around that these people are just owning the house and not doing anything with it. Nobody's lived in it for a while because the ceiling is falling off. Yeah. And I remember saying something to Hef about like, why don't you buy it and like turn it into a rental? That way you own it. You can preserve it. And I think he would have really liked to. And I could be wrong about this but what I remember is I think the person who owned it was kind of like hanging on to it trying to get like more than it was worth you know what I mean like Uh they weren't really willing to sell at a reasonable price yeah you know what I say in the commentary that's kind of odd because I don't remember feeling this way but I must have 
I said in the commentary that I was kind of bummed that so many people were following us everywhere on this trip because I felt like I didn't really get a chance to talk to Hef much about the places we were going. Yeah. And one of the reasons there were people following us everywhere is we have this clipping in the newspaper. It's up on the Patreon that they wrote an article about where we were going to go. And there's like a map in the newspaper saying where we were going to be. There's like a Playboy bunny head on each spot yep. in the map about where we were going. And I'm like, that is so weird. So when we walk out of Hef's house later and there's a bunch of people waiting outside, it's because it was in the newspaper. Right. We're, it was so weird. Not only that, but we have the camera crews and we have security and we have mm-hmm. pu- publicity people. And then we have the press that's following us. So there's just a crowd. Yeah. But we did take time to talk to all those people and take pictures with everyone. Yeah. that was standing out there and then uh it flashes to the mansion yeah i forgot that we cut back to the mansion in this episode and they are ripping out the carpet victory yes. for all you people who like to chime in when i complain about the dogs going to the bathroom in the house and be like well why didn't you do anything you guys i tried to do so much i tried to make a program for the dogs where they were always out behind the game house when we were out of the house like i finally got so much of the carpet ripped out and it's just like victory it's funny because they show like back at the mansion and they show like girls sitting by the pool, which wasn't really happening. Yeah. And they show like cocktails being brought out. And then it's an interview with Hank and he's like, Mr. Hefner rarely leaves and we're not laying by the pool and drinking yeah. pina coladas. It's busier than ever because we have projects to do. And it shows them they're ripping up all that carpet on there and sanding all the wood floors down. They're putting in new tile in the kitchen, which I didn't even know. Me either. I didn't even know that happened. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it needed it. I didn't know if it replaced the tile that was in there or if there was something else in there before. I don't know because we were so rarely in the kitchen and it was always so busy in there that I never looked down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then he says, Mr. Hefner loves this house and he loves the way it looks. And when he comes back, it'll look like the same house, but newer and fresher. And we want to know what it looks like now. I like know we say that every episode. Exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was like, what would he be thinking of what's happening now? I know. So curious. And then next scene, Chicago skyline, railroad tracks, and we're going to Playboy Enterprises. And you can see us holding our last minute lunches because on this trip, we never had lunch in the schedule. We were hangry. We were dying. We begged to stop at like some street vendor place where we got these nasty disgusting pizza pockets but we were so hungry we ate them anyway i have we have a picture out front of it we stopped at a place called hot diggity dogs and i say in commentary that even the vendors warned me against getting the pizza pocket they said it wasn't good and it wasn't but i was just so hungry i snarfed it down anyway (laughs) and you say it's exciting to be at the playboy headquarters in chicago i had actually gone to the playboy headquarters before when i was in chicago i asked if i could go there so this is not my first time i had been there but Christy's there to greet us. Isn't it funny how we like race from New York to Chicago, but also Christy's back in Chicago. And later we see Monica's back in Chicago and they had a little more time to get there. Like if you know what our schedule was like, like they had an extra day in between or whatever, but they weren't like going overnight the way we did. But it's funny how we jump straight from New York to Chicago and so many of the people who were there were also. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. And it's coincidence too. I don't even think, I mean, obviously not Christy, but I think Monica, that's sort of a coincidence that she was in both places because then we also comment that she's in LA when we get back. Oh my God. 
gosh, I forgot about that. That's so weird. So she's like everywhere, but it's just because she was shooting her pictorial and doing all this stuff at the same time. Christy was amazing. She introduced us to everyone, showed us around the entire offices, and she says, welcome home to Hef. And then you say in voiceover that most of the people working in the Chicago office have never even met Hef before or seen him in real life oh yeah that's true which I thought was interesting because you know here they are working for Playboy for however many years and probably have never actually met him yeah and they show some old footage of Hef working like back in the 60s and he's on that bongo board thing that we had in the gym and we're talking in commentary about is the one we have in the gym that same one and I always assumed it was just because it was so like beat up looking and I say in commentary that I love an artifact which I totally do I still love an artifact and on our Patreon this week we're doing a slumber party video of us you know, showing you some Girls Next Door items that we pulled out of storage. Yes. And in some of that archive footage, they show Hef talking to Shel Silverstein. If you guys don't know, he was an author and he wrote that book, Where the Sidewalk Ends. Do people still read that? I don't know, but The Giving Tree people still read. Oh. And then Christy says, come right this way. Head over to the studio. We've got something really cool going on in the studio. <laughs> And then Hef says, they want to take their clothes off and shoot in the studio. (laughs) And I'm like, I didn't shave today, which is a lie. Like, I don't think I've ever not shaved a day in my life, especially back then. But... (laughs) And then we go into the studio and Monica is there shooting. And I have so much to say here. She's in there shooting a cyber girl pictorial. And we all jump in her set and Uh start taking photos with her. But I have, okay, so many questions. First of all... Before I get into the obvious, first, why is she shooting Cyber Girl when she's already going to be a playmate? Oh, because she um, was a Cyber Girl and they used to do like Cyber Girl of the Month and Cyber Girl of the Year. And then she got approved as playmate, but also voted Cyber Girl of the Year. So it kind of all coincided. Like, I think Cyber Girl of the Year like came out before her playmate pictorial, but it was all kind of shooting all at the same time. And thank God she has her underwear on. Why don't they throw her a robe before we walk in the room with, because we're coming with a ton of people. Like, it's not just us. Yeah. It's it's press. Those press people are still following us. It's like everyone from the office that e- doesn't even have any business being in the studio. Like, there's a crowd with us. When they pan out, they show, like, 30 people in there, I think. Yeah, I think they just don't give a fuck. There was just this kind of, like, warped view at Playboy of like, okay, if this woman's okay posing nude and she's signed her release, then the nudity can just go everywhere. Yeah. Which it never feels like that when you're the person posing. You Like you agree to do that in a certain context. So you never really know what people are comfortable with. I could be projecting, but I think Monica looks uncomfortable in this situation. I That's do why too. I say thank God she at least still has her underwear on. Thank God she has long hair because you'll notice in the scene her hair kind of slowly migrates over her boobs. <laughs> yeah, because my next question is, do you think anyone asked her if it was okay that we all I'll walk in on her while she's nude with camera crews and press in tow. It didn't seem like I it. I don't think so either. And then in interview, they ask me like how I think Monica felt. And I think, I think Monica was kind of shy about it and how I felt. And I go, well, I didn't think anything of it. You know, it's like nudity is like nothing to me. But why? who cares how I feel? Yeah. Like, that's not even what should be being asked. And then I jokingly say, oh, it's just us because it's clearly not just yeah. us. Like we're coming in with like, a hundred. not really a hundred people, but like a Seems ton of like people. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just such a bizarre. And being nude in a still picture feels very different than being nude on a video. 
I feel. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then Kendra like says, I think it's so funny that we walked in on Monica naked. And I'm like, is it though? Is it funny? Yeah, I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's funny either. Then they show these night views of the city and we're all leaving the hotel again (laughs) and getting into the limo. What? Okay. So I love this scene where we're driving to dinner. And we drive by somewhere and have said, oh, I used to date a girl who worked there, Shirley Delancey. And I just love that he name checks this woman from the 1950s because I've never heard of her since. Like, she's not somebody, I mean, I've heard about her. I know who she is just from half stories, but like she didn't like become a playmate or have like a claim to fame with that name. So I'm picturing a family gathered around the TV on a Sunday night watching E! And maybe there's a grandma in the background knitting. I used to date this girl, Shirley Delancey. And everybody turns around and goes, Grandma! Like, that's what I picture. It's just so <laughs> such a random name check from so long ago. And she's probably like, well, uh, 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 I, 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 uh. like, maybe she doesn't care. Maybe she's like excited about it. But I'm just like, dang, oh you got God. name dropped. <laughs> Do you want to know who Shirley Delancey was? Oh, yeah, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, because Hef used to talk about her because she, in the 50s, was a single woman living in the city with a female roommate. And Hef dated Shirley, and then the roommate dated somebody that Hef Oh, I thought you were going to say, and then dated the roommate. (laughs) But the roommate dated somebody Hef worked with. But he would talk about how revolutionary that was in the 50s for two single women to be living together in the city. And I thought, that's interesting. Yeah. And there was a comic that ran in Playboy about two, you know, women were, you know, single in the city or whatever. And he said it was kind of based on those two women. Oh, wow. So then we go to Japanese. Well, first we pass by the Chicago theater and Key says that we saw Frank Sinatra there. And I don't know why that just, I was just like, whoa. Oh my God. Okay, so we go to Japanese for dinner. such a beautiful restaurant. And they made us those amazing bouquets. Okay, you guys, these bouquets are so cute. They were just like these really pretty pink bouquets, but they put like little rhinestones stone playboy necklaces in them and they were just so cute yeah like the pendants were all like in it they're still memorable they were really cute and so we're in there and uh we're all i'm all excited about the hot rock steak well that was the first time i'd seen a hot rock like now people do it all the time but that was the first time i'd seen that at a restaurant it was really a novelty yeah well and just so you guys know i'm really into that kind of stuff like i love like um japanese barbecue where you like cook your own meat or like the um korean barbecue where you do that like or the or melting pot. Melting you pot. <laughs> shabu shabu. Like, I love all that stuff. I have so much fun with it. So I'm really into, like, this fun kind of thing like that. And um, Kendra's bummed because we have to get up at 4.30 in the morning. So she's already, like, talking about dreading yeah. it, which I'm sure we all were. And also, like, we're still on West Coast time. So it's not really 4.30 in the morning. It's, it's 2.30 in the 1:30, morning. 1.30. Or, yeah, I guess Chicago yeah. is 2.30, yeah. But in, in New York, it was 1.30. Yeah, so it's like we're all over the place. And But what they don't show is that the reason we had to get up so stinking early, too, was because first we had to go do the morning news. Uh-huh. That was the first thing that we were going to do. And they don't show that. That's then, in a deleted scene. So we'll talk about that. Oh, okay. When yeah, we when we do this. Then after that, we're going to go to the Man Cow Show. And so Kendra's supposed to read the sports in the morning. I'll be reading entertainment. And Holly's doing world news. And I say that it's totally up my alley. And I better get a copy for my demo reel. I don't Which know is if like, I did or not. <laughs> well, it just makes me laugh. Because like, remember when we had to make 
demo reels. Yes. You guys, if you were trying to make it in the entertainment industry in LA in the 2000s or earlier, it was a process to even get the materials you needed. And for like a young person just moving to the city, struggling financially, it was hard because you had to pay somebody else to take your photos. If it needed any kind of retouching or anything, you had to pay for that. You had to pay to get all the pictures printed out. Mm -hmm. You had to pay to get like your modeling comp card made. Like none of this was done digitally. You had to somehow get experience in front of a camera, which was hard to do because nobody had a phone to do it. Like now you just be like, oh, here's my YouTube link. But back then you used to have to make a demo reel. You used to have to get lucky enough to have professional footage. Cause like, I guess you could have like done it on a camcorder, but that was janky and nobody really did. Who was like really trying to get in the entertainment industry. So you had to like either get lucky and land some random thing or like pay somebody to do it. And then you had to like pay for the editing because there were no editing apps on your computer. No, it was such a fiasco. Well, And on top of that, for everything you wanted to do, you needed something different like you needed a Z card and a which is the comp card she was talking about that shows you in different looks kind of and gives all your stats on it but then you had your your like 8x10 headshot which had like your bio on the back of it but then if you wanted to do modeling stuff you also needed to bring in a modeling book that showed all kinds of different stuff you'd done or different looks that you can do and then if you wanted to do acting you needed that acting demo reel and one for like comedy, one for like drama, one, one for, for like hosting. Yeah, and yeah. then there was a hosting one. And then for me, I wanted to do voiceover too. So I have a voiceover demo reel. I found when I was going through all those DVDs, a whole bunch of old demo reels that I would kind of want to watch and kind of don't. Yeah, it was such a fiasco. It's it like was. a whole extra step. And we're continuing cooking on the hot rock. We're having a good time. And my mouth is watering watching this. (laughs) And Hef, you guys, Hef had his lamb chop dinner brought from L.A. Okay, that's asinine. Like, I get it, especially like if you're older or I get it. I mean, this wasn't the case for him, but I get it if you have like allergies or something like that. I don't even think it's that weird that he... No, I do think it's weird that he brought food to the restaurant. I can see like calling ahead and being like, hey, we have this one person in the party. Can you do a special meal like this? And just making sure. But the fact that he brought it on ice from LA to New York, it's still sitting on ice, flying out to Chicago. Like the chance that you're going to get food poisoning off of that, I feel like would be greater than the restaurant not making something you like. That I was thinking that too, but then I was thinking they may have put it in like the hotel freezer when we got there or something like that. But still, I feel like what are the chances that like something's going to go wrong? Like what if like the car carrying that from the airport was like delayed a little too long? I don't know. It just seems yeah. like so much work. He told me a story about how when he was in Paris with Barbie in like the 60s, they went to Maxime's, which is like a famous restaurant. And he said, no, I want fried chicken. And they're like, we do not make the fried chicken. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he like somebody in his party like showed them how to make fried chicken. So they brought out fried chicken and everybody thought that was so quirky and cute. Or at least he thought everybody thought it was quirky and cute. I don't know if they he, were thinking yeah. that at all. And I think it just turned into a thing from there that he thought it was like this cool thing he did. Mm. Because it's asinine after a point. Yeah. Especially on a trip like this. It has to be his canned peas and his... <laughs> Did you notice in this scene when Hef leans over to talk to Kendra, he speaks to her like she's a toddler? Like, what do you mean? Oh, baby, you're having fun over there. It's like a little game for you. I'm like, she's not three. It's so gross. To Today, me. he'd set her up with an iPad and be like, is the cartoon you want on there? It, oh, 100%. The game you want? 
uh, we say in commentary they don't show it but and I kind of I slightly remember this after we got done with dinner they took us downstairs to like this club area and they had some like special dessert all designed for us which was cool yeah it was one of those like big platters with, yeah like, all kinds of things on crazy it crazy fun dessert and then while but so then it cuts back to us actually sitting at the restaurant and it shows a group of women like looking at Hef and giving the eyes and I wonder how that came about on the show like were they really trying to get Hef's attention or was the show trying to set them up to interact with us or like I wonder how that came about I'm curious too because as we're going to get to in the notes they also show up the same place we're at the next night and I just feel like there's some sort of setup here yeah even though the newspaper printed where we were going to be it still feels like too good to be true yeah I don't know and I thought it was interesting that Hef said they reminded him of sex in the city because I'm like why because there's four women who look like they're professionals out having cocktails together I think that was just like his mindset, you know, reeling back to the Shirley Delancey days when it was so revolutionary to have two single women living together in the city. I think maybe he saw like four women sitting at a table having cocktails and thought, wow, that's really unusual. That's sex in the city. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know what the deal was with this. I don't know. Supposedly they had a group of, I didn't notice them until later, Mm -hmm. but supposedly they had a group of guys with them earlier in the evening and then the guys left and just left the four girls there. And then they were making eyes and being all flirty with like Hef and Keith and then finally of course Hef and Keith are like giddy over this yeah. and then finally Hef gets up and goes over to their table and he writes something down on a piece of paper he says he's inviting them to the mansion and which um, is like pay your own way though <laughs> right right it's not like here's some plane tickets to come to the next party it's like when you guys are in LA you should come to the mansion yeah, for totally. a party and of course they cut back and try to make me look jealous which is ridiculous yeah because those those girls are very lovely but they're like not people Hef is gonna move in tomorrow like he's looking for like because those women like you could tell they had their shit together yeah like he's looking for like 20 somethings that are a little bit lost yeah and then <laughs> Hef says you guys made the smart move getting rid of the guys um and she says well daddy's in town I thought that girl was so funny she's so quippy she's like well daddy's in town you bring the sex I'll bring the city yeah that's she's what I was so gonna say funny. How retro is it that Hef has a pad of paper and a pen to like pick up on them? Oh, I didn't even think about that, but I did think it was weird that he was writing something on a piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we didn't have smartphones back then, so it that's how you would have done it. But it seems so funny and retro looking back. And it reminds me of Ron Smith, one of Hef's regulars, because he would go out to the clubs with the Playboy notepads that he'd swipe from the mansion and be like, you want to go to a mansion party if he thought somebody was like a good candidate? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. And what do you think Hef wrote on that piece of paper? Like the mansion phone number or like? Maybe like the mansion phone number and like the name of like Jenny, the receptionist or something. Yeah, I have no idea. But the whole thing seemed a little bit weird and a little bit staged and a little too good to be true it did and very much like let's show how Hef can like still pick up on girls yeah and I feel like it was also another little glimpse of you're replaceable and everybody wants to be with Hef so you know don't don't be too comfortable yeah and we're gonna get to the comment I make later but you can tell by the comment I make later that even an interview they're setting it up like so were you jealous when Hef like went over to talk to those girls and I never was like I know they're trying to cut back to my face to make it look like I am like they're playing like very 
amorous music in the background when he goes over to talk to them and stuff. But I never felt like anybody was really flirting. Like I felt like those women were excited about the novelty of meeting Hugh Hefner and they yeah. were like had the fun quippy comments. But I don't think for a minute anybody like wanted to hook up with him and I don't think no. for a minute they're the type of women he would usually invite up to the bedroom because like I said he's just looking for like younger more naive like more of that bimbo look okay you know what I mean yeah, I totally and so we get to the comment I make which I think shows that I'm finally a little bit more comfortable with this show because I'm comfortable like making a joke and I remember sitting there in that interview chair and they're like so Holly were you jealous when half one and I'm just like shut the fuck up like this is so fucking dumb like I'm not jealous quit trying to push that narrative so I get into I'm not jealous because I'm the perfect woman for Hugh and Hefner because I was raised in a cloning lab and I might be a little more intelligent than he would like but I'm not worried or something like that yeah and the clone comment I make is clearly a joke right but girl I shit you not over the years I've had people hit me up online people who I think have just fallen down the QAnon type rabbit holes who like believe every conspiracy theory who think I really mean I'm a clone (laughs) and they're like girl can you address when you said you're a clone like can you finally bring that to light and I don't think they're joking I think they are hardcore conspiracy theorists (laughs) who believe the craziest shit like the same people who believe that like Britney Spears has been cloned well there's people who believe that if you were a clone would you know you're a clone you could but I mean kids I've been around for a minute (laughs) and if a human has been successfully cloned I'm unaware of it but it definitely wasn't happening when I was born yeah although the Raelians claim they cloned a human really the crazy Raelians that I gave (laughs) a tour to at the mansion that time I remember the Raelians did you know Britney has a song called She's Been Cloned? No. And that just like feeds into people's Oh my like, God. Conspiracies. And now people think Britney, everything she posts is like AI. I've heard that. And yeah. it's not really her. AI would be more believable. But clone, like celebrities are not. There's a whole subsection of conspiracy theorists that think like celebrities have been cloned and they'll find a picture of like a celebrity and maybe they've changed a little bit over the years because that's what humans do when they age they change so they'll take a picture of somebody from 10 years ago and now and be like look they don't look they've been cloned and there's the whole like avril lavigne was replaced by her cousin melissa and yeah just like oh my god but these are like old conspiracy theories because people this is kind of like a vegas local thing but people used to say that about roy from siegfried and roy years ago they would say that the real roy died so they found his cousin from germany and replaced him oh my god (laughs) and that person's just gonna be able to come in and be able to work with tigers yeah just you know chilling like a villain (laughs) so Speaking of cloning, yeah, I wanted to ask you some questions about just how you felt over the years at the mansion, about your individuality, how much you tried to fit in versus wanting to kind of rebel and not fit in versus were there ever any times you felt pressured or pushed into a corner and stifled? Uh, yeah. Like, how did you feel where do you about want that? To start? I, I know it's hard to figure out where to start because I have some thoughts. Well, that. there's different, there's different, uh, tears. Yeah. That, well, there's different points in the time that I was mm-hmm. there and how I felt about all of that. I can say that too. Like there was a very different way I felt about it when it was the mean girls era versus just us and Kendra. I guess I'll start with how much when you joined the group, how much did you feel like you had to change to fit into the group? How much did you want to change? Cause you wanted to step into that role of a bombshell. 
Um, oh, it's tough. I when I first started going there, I felt like there was a sadness and and I wanted to bring more of my personality mm-hmm. into it because I felt like the place needed a little cheering up and that I could bring that to it and I was hoping that I could bring that so I came full bore with full energy and I was like stifled almost every step of the way by the mean girls mostly a little bit by Hef too who wasn't willing to like make any changes or do anything but I still brought a lot of that energy and a lot of that originality to things like I was dressing up for parties that people weren't already dressing up for and then it became a thing where people started dressing Uh up for them and I I was like bringing fun things to the mansion like just to make it more fun for stuff you know like I when I dressed up as Carmen Miranda and I brought the little shots and I was just like doing little things that are so much of my personality that I wanted um to like bring to the mansion to help like cheer it up a little bit because I felt like the energy was really low I felt the bad energy from the other girls yeah but at the same time I also wanted to fit in so if there was a time where we were all gonna like try and dress alike I was all for it Mm -hmm. yay let's do it that's fun because I felt like that was a bonding and that could be exciting but it was never taken that way and there was always people that wanted to like make you feel bad about it or not participate so then that wasn't a fun situation yeah for me there was definitely two sides to it because one when I stepped into the playboy world I wanted to do it big like I I mean one of the reasons I was attracted to being a playmate was looking at the playmate pictorials and the stories they write about the girls you kind of get the impression that they find these country girls who are kind of cute and turn them into these bombshells so I wanted like the full playboy makeover like I totally wanted that but then it would get to a point where you also want to keep some of yourself and your own individuality And sometimes it would get to a point where you just felt lost in the shuffle and that you have to like fit in exactly with these six other women that you don't necessarily get along with. Like the reason I cut my hair is for the longest time I was the only girlfriend who had like natural long hair and didn't have extensions. And I was proud of that. And then there was this other girl came along who didn't end up joining the group. She was a cyber girl, but she had really long like down to her butt hair. And for some reason that made me want to cut my hair. I was like, fuck this. I'm rebelling. I'm doing something different with my hair. Still going to be a blonde. But I just felt so stifled that nothing about me could be unique or different in any way. And there was always going to be somebody coming along who had that thing, but better. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to make myself different and cut my hair. And that didn't go over well. But (laughs) well, I will say to that point that I always felt like I brought a lot to the mansion. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe I'm just full of myself or whatever, no, but I always felt like I brought a lot of personality. I brought a lot of theming and cleverness and stuff to the mansion. So I always felt like I, I stood out in that way. But at the same time, I also felt like the only thing I had going that was really stand out and different were my ideas yeah. and my and those were being stolen sometimes and being stifled sometimes. Yeah. And that was really frustrating and really scary for me because it's like if I don't have this, this is my personality and this is who I am. And if this is getting taken away from me, you have nothing left. Then you, I have nothing. You feel like you're drowning and you're like struggling to grab onto this life raft. Like, what's the one thing I can hang on to that's me? Yes. I remember there was this one time where we had to shoot some 
segment for like the local news for Christmas and it was shot before Christmas but they wanted it to look like they were there on Christmas morning and Hef was like everybody gather around in your pajamas at the tree I'll meet you down there and I knew he wanted us all in the pink pajamas and I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the pink pajamas I felt like they were they're very comfortable but I felt like they were very like big and bulky and boxy and unflattering so instead I wore a pair of Playboy branded pajamas that were just like cute pajama pants that were pink pink with like playboy bunny and then it had like a t-shirt that was pink with like a red playboy bunny and Hef like lost his shit you have to go change and I was like I don't really want to and I kind of like stood up for myself I'm gonna wear this I think it's more flattering he was pissed about it and then later he kind of backed down off of it because once we went downstairs like everybody else was kind of trying to do their own thing too like somebody showed up in the pink pajamas but she was wearing like a duck beanie somebody else showed up but she was carrying her dog like everybody wants to stand out so he was like okay maybe I was a little too hard on you whatever like to his credit he backed down on that but there were times when I just felt like I don't want to match everybody else especially if it's people who are just fucking mean like there was something felt really demoralizing about that yeah I can see that but then it also became a thing where dressing alike was a way for people to say during the this is during the mean girl era that we don't like you and you're not one of us so they would dress alike yeah they would show up in like their three coordinating things and then me and you would be stuck like in something completely different right and later on I think it has to do with security too because the more insecure I was I didn't want to match but then when it was just me you and Kendra I thought it was cute if we coordinated for parties and stuff like that not because I wanted us all to be clones but I thought it was kind of a good look overall like it reminded me of like how the twins used to look when they were with half and they were matching like I thought it was cute at parties well I think it can be bonding it can be like when you look like a cohesive group you're like a team that's what teams do they wear matching outfits and not that we have to match exactly but like going into Halloween oh let's all be something green or something I think the green year the green year cracks me up because we didn't even plan that I know but I feel like it looks cohesive and we look like a team and we look like we're all supporting each other and I feel like that's what that's what doing the matching outfits says for me is that not that we're cloned and we can't come up with our own ideas but that we're a team and I feel like with me you and Kendra too even before the show started I feel like we all felt very secure in that we felt like we had our own distinct personalities and everybody who came to the mansion kind of knew that Mm -hmm. but when it was the mean girls didn't it feel like we were all kind of just like stereotypical sugar babies just struggling to be the first one to get a centerfold yeah for sure it kind of felt like we all kind of got lost in that stereotype and that shuffle but by the time it was me you and Kendra we We all had our own interests. I feel like everybody in our community knew that. So to wear a coordinating outfit felt fun and it felt like something that was our idea and not like something we were forced to do. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the girls next door, the look of it and the things that we did, it's our ideas. It's our personality. It's who we are. It wasn't just what Playboy was in general. Yeah. Like we made it that. As far as interests, because we've been touching a lot on like looks and clothes, how much of your interests, was there ever anything you felt like you had to hide at the mansion? Um, I don't think I had to hide my interests so much. I mean, I definitely stifled some of my excitement about certain things like uh, and obviously I'm not allowed to go and do a lot of my interests so like if I want to go ghost hunting or go stay at a haunted location I can't just go and do that um so in that sense it was but I feel like I could share my interests and and I mean I did I pursued a lot of different 
things education wise and that's my main interest like I'm always getting educated on different things yeah I felt like it was weird because I felt like in a way the mansion was such a great place for me to really explore genuine interests I had like I was always super interested in classic films so of course the movie nights I love that like where else do you get that experience like I always loved listening to like old music like Frank Sinatra 1940s stuff I still listen to it but then those aren't the only interests I have so it's like these interests I shared with Hef were very genuine they weren't ever like faked or exaggerated to like get his attention or anything but then the other interests I have I just felt like there was no place for it but I will say that I al- I've always loved travel and I've obviously I'm not able to do that while yeah. we're at the mansion the other thing I'll say too that obviously I was very close to my family and I felt very kind of not estranged from my family but like I wasn't able to go home as much as I wanted to or include them in my life and as yeah, much as I wanted hard. to yeah for sure so there were things but there's you know it was a give and take. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard because it's like, I think we both came into that situation wanting to get the most out of the Playboy experience and do all the things and be that girl, but also hold on to who we are and ourselves. And it was a weird balancing act. But I still feel like to this day that people try and take that away from me and act like that was something that was Playboy, not you. So drop the act now. It's been how many years? And I'm like, wait, that wasn't Playboy. That was me. That is who I am. Like, if you don't like it, I am themed. I am blonde. I am girly. I do like to go and travel and do all these fun things and silly stuff. That is who I am 100%. That was the next point I was going to make is like, I was going to ask you how much of yourself do you feel like and who you authentically were kind of got swept up in the public perception and lost as just what a playboy girl is all of it <laughs> I know. all of it everybody thinks that who i am is what playboy is i feel like so strongly about that i mean even the house bunny took everything about me yeah everything about me my hair my clothes the way i dress my pets my room. room they went in and took pictures they took everything about me and made a movie about somebody about it like yeah. And I don't get paid for that. And for years, people <laughs> I mean, I would... residuals. Yeah. <laughs> and there would be, you know, people... It, it was just so weird because these were like our individual things, but all of a sudden it becomes a Playboy girl thing. Like I remember years ago, somebody, some guy who went up to the mansion was like, said to me, so what is it with Playboy girls and Disney? Why are all Playboy girls into Disney? And I go, they're not. It was just me. There were no other Disney adults. Like the Playmates would always like to go to Disney. Like we always enjoyed going. Yeah. But I was the only Disney adult up there. It's like, no, that's never how it was. It's annoying. It is annoying. And it kind of just, I know it sounds like a dumb thing for us to complain about, but it sucked for us, I think, in the first couple of years leaving the mansion when we're just out there being ourselves and people think we're still hanging on to this weird act because they think who we are is like the quote unquote stereotypical Playboy girl. And it's not that, like that was never the Playboy girl before us. That's just people think that's what it is because the girl's next door. Right. I don't think Kendra had to deal with that because on the show, it always looks like Kendra's the disruptor and she's like the rebel and she's the one who's doing the things that aren't hyper feminine right but like our stuff got like swept up and then people think you know what's so weird is I have dated two different guys since I 
um, left the mansion who, I've dated more than two different guys since left the mansion, but there were two different guys who would get angry at me out of nowhere and lash out at me and accuse me of being fake toward them because who I am in real life doesn't match exactly who I am on the show. Because on the show, I was very like scared and timid and didn't want to get in trouble and only wanted to say things that like Hef would approve of and stuff. And these guys would like get mad and accuse me of being fake because I don't match the show. And I'm like, how does that make any sense? Yeah. Like that doesn't, I feel like anybody with a brain would think, okay, if you're living your life and all of a sudden you're told cameras are going to be on you and it's going to be blasted across the country, it makes sense that you're like more careful and only want to show a certain side of your personality and whatever. But but it was like reverse with them. It was so fucking weird. I'm like, that's not me. You don't understand. That was only like a sliver of my personality. That's interesting because I feel like Girls Next Door was so my personality. Mm-hmm. Like, more, I, I, and I'm not trying to like belittle you or Kendra's uh, time or like, uh, what am I trying to say? Ideas or yeah. anything in that or whatever. But I feel like it was like so much me and who, who I was. Yeah. Like, and my personality. And, and I look back on it and I hate when people think that they say things like, oh, I'm so, it's so nice to see that you're the same person or that you have the same, that you have the same interest because I thought that was just for the show or whatever. So I feel like I have kind of yeah. the opposite thing. Mm-hmm. People think that that was all for the show yeah, and that I'm really a different person. And I'm thinking, no, that was me. That was yeah. 100% <laughs> me. That is who I was. Yeah. Are there things that were edited wrong? Of course, or badly mm-hmm. on me? Of course, we've talked about that. But like the, the theming and the education and the pets and the just all of the stuff about me that is who I am yeah and then what really compounded that I think is season six when they plugged three new girls in our spots and I feel like and I don't know who did this or whose idea this was or who was behind it but I feel like our personalities got like airlifted onto other people I feel like yours went onto the house bunny mine went onto crystal and Kendra's went onto the twins yeah it is hard it's hard to explain it is hard and you know we were leaving this weird ass situation we'd been in for seven years I picture myself like Bambi on ice like walking around on legs that are giving out like that's how just weird I felt in the real world Me and just too. trying to find my way and you just feel like your whole personality has been stolen from you it was stolen and not only that but then we go to try and do our own shows and they want us to like have a new personality this is Holly this is the new Holly this is the new Bridget or whatever and it's like no you don't understand that was me yeah that was me so and they want like a new type of show now mm-hmm. but it was me that I mean I can't change who I am yeah for sure. It's, so it's really, it's just a trip. It's like a weird, it's not like, like, I'm not trying to say like, oh, feel sorry for us. It's like the hardest thing, but it's just like an odd, weird experience. Yeah. And then when you're trying to navigate the world after living in such a bubble for so long, and then you feel like your personality has sort of been stolen from you, your whole identity really. And then it just makes everything very tricky and really weird. And then you have people saying, oh, drop the act and like saying rude things. It just made, it was a very difficult time. It's a weird, like Alice in Wonderland type experience or like enchanted where she walks out of the cartoon and she's in like the dirty musty real world and people are looking at her weird like why the fuck are you acting like that I feel like the Barbie movie is gonna be that I was just gonna say that I think that's what the Barbie movie is all about I think she walks out into the real world we're gonna get flashbacks to 2009 (laughs) we need to go see it together oh I know 100% (gasps) do you think they really have cloned a human and we just don't know about it um 
Probably. Yeah, I think I there's think a lot possible. of things we don't know about. I mean, they've cloned pets. Yeah. So why couldn't they clone a human? But I don't think they've cloned a human as far back as when I was born. No, so let's I don't clarify so that. I don't think clone. you're a clone. Yeah, I'm not a clone. I'm confident you're not a clone. Unless I just don't know. But I don't think I am. So we are about halfway through this episode. Um, I'm having so much fun with this. I want to like. I don't think we have enough time today to record it because we have some other things. But like, I want to go into the second half. Like, I know. So we will see you guys next week. If you want more content, please check out our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/GirlsNextLevel. And we will see you guys next week with the rest of Chicago. Oh yeah, you guys on that Patreon, we're going to be doing an archive. Yeah. So check that out because we like artifacts. Yep. If you couldn't tell by who I was dating. Bye. (laughs) Bye guys.